be pregnant? I don't know, because I don't think you're man enough to get me pregnant. This is terrible. The man's gonna have to disarm her. Let's just disarm him. I cannot believe you are the father of my children. I have waited and waited and waited for you to be a man, for you to grow up, for you to take some responsibility. But you? You're just a disappointment. The only man here tonight was the man, Becky. So maybe the next time, I'll ask Becky to impregnate me. gentlemen hello and welcome to another edition of just what the internet needed more of that's right it's a wrestling podcast it's another wrestling podcast it is called top marks another wrestling podcast called top marks my name is justin morissette and with me once again as always is he's cleaning up the messes of the masses the janitor himself Josh Custodio. Wow, Justin, in a in a in a what 108 107 episodes, I suppose, of great intros. I don't mm. want to demean your other intros. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm only to say that if all the others are 10 out of 10, that was a 14. I appreciate that. I was really laying on the uh, the energy, the announcer voice. Yeah, because I'm fired up, man. I'm excited to do the show this week. Let's we got go. A lot of stuff to talk about. My goodness. And also, I just feel energized. Yes. doing this show. Yes. I, you and I, we sat on my. Uh, patio or uh, balcony, that's what it is. Yeah. Patio is on the ground floor. Is that true? I think so. I didn't know that. Balcony. Balcony. <laughs> Balconies hang. Yeah. Patios are just part of the ground. And like. <laughs> where's a porch in this? Is porch like slightly elevated? Por- yes. Porch is like elevated above the, the ground. Of the three, which is the best hangout spot? Well, I only have one, and that's yeah. a balcony. Yeah, so I got none of them. Yeah, so we were on, out on the balcony, and we were just feeling very energized, feeling fired up about yeah. doing this show, which I want people to know. Only because I feel like people listen to our update about me doing yeah. the radio show. And there was some like, sadness. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, uh, of tender <laughs> hearts feeling like Top Marks was going to go away. We still really enjoyed doing we this love program. It. We love it. And, and we're fired up to do it again. And that's why I brought the fire right out the gate. Well, I got to tell you, man, man it, it not only did it work, but I didn't really even need it this week. Because as we know, friend of the show, the Zoobs, lives the, the two-coffee lifestyle, yes. right? And yes. I'm sure you've had two coffees before. I've I, had two uh, coffees but before. But I've had five coffees Mama. Me a five coffees. You're looking at a man today, JMO, who is three coffees deep. So I arrived sort of uh, energized. In the zone. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, over caffeine. You know when you get like a bit of sweat on mm-hmm. the top of your skin just because you haven't eaten, you drank yeah. too much coffee? Feel a little bit of that uh, spider sense tingle in your <laughs> yeah. skin. Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. where I'm at today. Well, you and I are also fired up because uh, w- as soon as we are done recording this episode, yeah. we are just walking over to the mall that I can see out my window yeah, right now. Right there, Stone's Throw from Skyloft. Gonna go see Big Dave recording. Batista. Stuff. Studio, we are yeah. going to a preview screening of Stuber. Stuber, starring Big Dave, and I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Man. I know it's going to be a like a 90 minute Uber commercial. Yep, but 
<laughs> it's Big Dave. Yeah, that's the thing. At this point, uh, I would watch almost anything Dave Batista was in. So uh, yeah, yeah I, w- I was saying, and I like Kumail too. I-, I was saying I might even go see his kids movie this summer. Well, okay, that might be a bridge too far My for me, spy. but I. It, there's part like part of it looks like insane family cheesiness. Yeah, but also I'm like. A, it's Big Dave. Yeah. And B, there are some funny jokes in that trailer. Well, the Page movie was sort of a kid's movie, wasn't it? Fighting with my family? I thought it was a lot more adultish than uh, I was expecting yeah. going in. I guess I should say I thought it was a kid's movie, and I still went. And yeah. then I ended up enjoying myself, so there you go. But That's Justin, true. so much to get to in the wrestling world. Exactly, because not only are we excited to watch Batista's films, yes. we also watched a lot of wrestling this week. My gosh, a great deal. And, uh, and some of it good. Yes, yeah, some of it. You know what, man? I was really down on WWE for a lot of the last couple months yep. here, and it was very easy to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that, like, oh, well, Heyman and Bischoff yeah. are in control. Everything's turned around because this is everything that happened this week that was good was not out of nowhere. No, they, they have clearly been building towards things, and whatever creative influence uh, Heyman or Bischoff are going to have on mm-hmm. these shows isn't going to be felt for quite a long time. But I would say the way things are trending right now, for the first time, I feel like for the first time in a long time, I can watch WWE weekly television and feel like things are trending in a direction that makes sense to me. I am happy to hear that. I want to talk specifically about some of the changes because I agree with everything you said. But first, Madman, I want to time travel a little bit. Okay. Because we went off air. We did the show, I believe, last Wednesday. We did, yeah. And it didn't then come out until Friday, I don't think. There we go. And then the news breaks Friday that Heyman and Bischoff are taking over creatively of Raw and SmackDown, still still um, reporting to Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yes. But are going to be heavier-handed in the creative. So I want to take us back to that day before we had seen Raw and SmackDown and what that looks mm-hmm. like. And I'm curious what you thought about Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff being uh, given this power within WWE system. Well, I like Heyman taking control of Raw yeah. because Raw needs the most help, mm-hmm. and Heyman is a proven commodity. Yeah, like, between SmackDown and, of, of course, ECW. And, and all of his contributions to creative over the years, like to me, that is a guy who who is proven to still understand it. Times change, the business evolves, but Heyman's booking mind and yep. his core philosophies in terms of how to make stars, how to pair guys off, how to get a reaction from your fans. Like he understands all of these things well enough that as much as, you know, times change and people can be left be- behind, like Jericho, he oh, is yeah. an evolving yep. mind who seems to stay with it time and time again. So that one I like. Okay, so I want to talk about Paul Heyman for a second here okay, because so. I, I agree. Creative mind, booking-wise, I mean, how many misses does he even have for star-making? I mean, very few. Like, mm-hmm. most of his senses are bang-on correct for what a star should be. Like, Mike Knox comes to mind as a miss. I, I don't know if he chose Curtis Axel or if, like, the company put him with it, but those are the only two I can think of where it was like, okay, it wasn't right there. But generally speaking... His star making is. I mean, is you right. love the Ryback, so you know I love the big guy, and everybody loves the big guy. That's just true. <laughs> that's true. But I must say, and the J-Mo, big guy, very worried about Matt Reynolds falling into some gang trouble. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about Bischoff in a moment. But I must say, even all that said for Paul Heyman, my initial reaction was not good to this news. Really, it was not even good. for Paul. For both, I thought, and 
now listen, I like you, big Paul Heyman guy, and of the two, obviously the one that I thought you could marry to good ideas more. Mm-hmm. But it did feel instinctively about something I've spoken out about, which is WWE feels like they're in trouble, and their version of pulling the parachute is retreating to the past. What worked back then? What, why is it not Triple H taking but over one of these brands? Can I push back on that Please, for a second? Yeah. Because on the surface level, I do agree with you. Like It is a mistake to reach back into nostalgia every time. But on the opposite end of that... Getting back to fundamentals, basic fundamentals, is a necessary thing. Like, Bruce Pritchard, I feel like, is partly responsible anyway for a lot of the things that I have enjoyed about the way TV has changed over the last couple months. I know he's heavily involved in, for example, Firefly Funhouse. Can you ask him where it is? (laughs) Well, it's, (laughs) it's bleeding over into our reality now, the puppets popping up here and there. But like these... Produced segments. Yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the overarching way that things are going right now with Aleister Black. Yeah. But it is different, and it is yep. making him stand out. These uh, uh, Ali promos. These, Those are great. These are very, very good, and they feel different. Like, we are getting television that has a texture finally which totally. is something that i have been begging for for a very long time and like i feel like that is a bit of a classic approach in some ways like sure because like vince needs to remember that as much as he is selling characters he's also selling matches right and i feel like wwe has forgotten about that they totally have years like they don't sell the big fight they don't they don't book things that I want to see or that anyone would want to see. Like, I know it's a couple of years ago now, but, like, Roman Reigns and Undertaker are being paired together on TV. That was the main event of WrestleMania, yeah. what, two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Did anyone, a single person <laughs> on this earth, want to see that match? No. Then what the fuck are we doing here? Like, And, and the great irony is they're literally back together again <laughs> right now. Exactly. So, like... You know, you do need to build these guys up to make them feel special because, like, the Fed could decide right now that the main event of WrestleMania next year is going to be pick any current heel and any current babyface, whether yeah. that's, you know, Ricochet and Kevin Owens or Andrade and, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan, turn yeah. Andrade baby, like, whatever. You know, like, you could do anything. You could pick two guys, and if you built them up over the course of the year – People could go crazy for those matches, mm-hmm. but you need to make them feel like special characters, yep. and you need to demonstrate that they are exciting to watch in the ring. You want have to want to see the pairing of the matches. Those are basic, fundamental things. True, and and, and like that did exist in the 80s and 90s when the work rate was significantly lower. So if you want to lean back to these old guys, I do think Heyman, Pritchard. Bischoff, I'm questionable. Yeah, I, I figure Bischoff's almost a separate discussion here. Like, that is not a bad idea at all. I, I, let me be clear. I think when they announced Paul Heyman's taking over Raw, mm-hmm. I think that is an improvement, that they recognize that something needs to change. I just, I saw people acting like this is a seismic uprooting. It's like, this is still, disruption isn't going to come from within the system. Yeah. Like, if they said, actually, Gabe Sapolsky is our booker for Raw now and in charge of creative. That'd be a, that would be a dynamic change. Yeah, well, okay, maybe we are going to see some change on Raw, but that it is the system guys. And the change like, is that the ring is going to fall apart sometimes hell yeah. during matches. Yes. The stage might collapse Everyone during a show. Everyone wants it. Chris Hero's going to be your main eventer. 
<laughs> and no one complains. Uh, but, but, but like, do you know what I mean? Gabe Smolsky yes. just came to mind. No, no, as no, like no a, I fully a, understand. And I don't mean to dunk on, no, on no. Gabe because I do respect him quite a bit. The best ring of honor years, yeah, right? Absolutely. So it, my initial reaction was this is an improvement, but is it really going to be this uprooting that it's sort of being treated as? And on Raw, I actually don't think people have given it as much credit as it deserves for its changes. I saw people being like, oh, it's trending in the right direction. Or mm-hmm. I actually thought Raw was felt pretty different to me this week, and I can explain a couple reasons why. Well, all the storyline things that happened on Raw felt like things that were not altered in the last three days since Heyman took over or whatever. It was all environmental stuff. The walking promos, like Seth and Becky together, people entering the frame in motion. Like These are all things that weren't happening the week before. Two separate promos transitioning into each other with the Heyman Street Profits Mm -hmm. segment. Street Profits, by the way. Yes, yeah. Gotta talk about the Street Profits. Dynamite! Way to make the most of an opportunity. Like, we're gonna put you on TV just talking. How many spots were they? Three on Raw? Two or three? Two, maybe three. Whatever. I thought they definitely two. I thought they shone bright in in but both or all three of their segments. Yeah. I thought they came across like total stars. I thought the way Heyman played off of them was kind of fun. I thought Heyman also looked like a million bucks. I thought that suit was killer he was, too. He was a little bit overly fake tanned, and I <laughs> thought that the I liked Street it. Profits were going to rip on him for that, and they didn't really. Right? I, yeah, to- great call uh, uh, calling them out because uh, I thought they they totally totally seized the moment. And I thought Raw felt different. Now, maybe some of that is confirmation bias, like you're looking forward and no, seeming but it, it. It did, though, because you, you, A, get out of the monotonous kind of rhythms that Raw has been stuck in forever, which is that we are so conditioned to believe the show has to open with a 15-minute promo segment every single week. Instead, this week, we got a fucking balls-out match with two guys that they have really actively misused over the last little totally while. Totally cooled them off. Yeah, absolutely. And did you heat up Bobby Lashley again by doing that? Maybe not. Maybe not fully. But you did give Braun Strowman a moment, which is something that they have not done at all for like the last year, when it seemed like for a good long while there, especially during the Roman feud, Braun doing something cool that became a viral smash across the internet was like a semi-weekly occurrence. Or weekly. Yeah, and getting away from that, uh, because maybe you've cooled on Braun as a person, like he had backstage heat or whatever. You, that is uh, booking away from something that was working just because you don't like the guy is an active detriment to your actual on-screen product. I, I don't l- understand that. I loved this opening too, and I thought, like you say, a nice addressing of things. But we must mention Corey Graves said, "Holy shit!" on television. He did, yeah. Corny to you? No, good I liked to you? it. Yeah, it's I liked like it as Kofi well. Kofi Kingston flipping Samoa Joe the bird. Yeah, I don't want to say bring back Attitude Era like across the board but swearing but swearing and and you know like how are you ever going to come across as a baby face if anytime you do something cutting edge or cool it's like well that's inappropriate for family audiences so you can't do that i don't know if you saw this on either twitter or instagram or one of these but like bobby lashley on there was calling braun Strowman a bitch and like stuff i i know maybe it sounds very simple but if a person's actually mad and someone's kicking your ass why on earth would you be speaking in like this WWE speak Suffering where it's like suck attack. yeah this sort of stuff is so bad so I, I loved the holy shit like, and I must say I was watching it with our friend uh, Jordan Descharm and that got like a giant pop out of us like it was yeah. really surprising to hear on the television like I, I don't know if other people felt that way but it was like no I uh, I was uh, at work producing a Vancouver Canadians broadcast for radio and yeah. I had my uh, sports anchor from the news station sitting in the booth with me because I had raw on and we had the sound on okay nice and uh, during I already knew it was coming because I caught it the first time, but during the replay that comes later in the night, yeah. it happened again. I was very surprised that they didn't bleep it for the replay. Right. 
But the guy who was with me, Raja Shergill, yeah, he was like, I can't believe that just happened. Right. That, and it Which, felt that way. And, like, you need those moments. I know we're going to talk about the chair shot in AEW a little yeah. bit later, but, like, just if you want wrestling to rise again, if you want a, a wrestling resurgence, which, like, I feel like wrestling in the culture is having a moment even though ratings are dropping. It feels like we've been in, quote-unquote, a moment for, like, five years now. It's certainly more prevalent throughout uh, – I don't want to use the phrase pop culture here because I don't know how we get away from it. <laughs> but, but it does feel like – there's certainly websites that carry it more. And it's certainly on my Twitter feed by people that – People you know, are, like, more open with their fandom Yes, maybe that's well. a good way to say it. Like, I know that the numbers are dropping. The Raw was up this week. If you want wrestling to have a resurgence and wrestling to be popular again, you need to have things that make people talk about wrestling. Water cooler moments. Exactly, because that was the draw of the Attitude Era. Like, we've talked about it on this show multiple times. We've talked about it on bonus episodes on the Patreon. You you had to watch wrestling because that's all anyone was talking about when you went to school the next day. Yep. And wrestling, like... You can't get back to that place without having things that make people talk. And as we are clearly demonstrating this week, there were a number of things that made people talk, both on free TV and on the AEW pay-per-view. So let's wrap up Heyman there and talk about the announcement of Bischoff. Because I am, these are, I think, pretty different for most people. But, but before we move on from Heyman, there is one more thing that Go I ahead. wanted to talk about. The biggest change that I noticed aesthetically yeah. that I enjoyed the most was after that big ramp spot... Uh, Braun Strowman hits Bobby Lashley through the LED screen, pyros going off, explosions, electrical shortages, all these things. They cut to a very odd camera angle yeah. from the crowd, basically, looking at the stage from the side of the stage. You could see a bunch of like the technical workers, and it stayed on that angle for a good long while. Way too long. <laughs> before we went to commercial break. Are you saying that you did not like that? I liked the shot when by minute four of sitting there, I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? I really, really liked it a lot because it felt exactly like when things go wrong at a sporting event. Yep. You have to get a camera into an awkward area where you're not expecting to have a shot set up. Like, uh, you're, you're not switching to other shots because you don't have other angles of this thing because why would you? Yeah. Like, there was a lot of things about that, even though it is like a very big stupid, loud pro wrestling moment where the presentation felt more realistic to me than a lot of things WWE has done of late. I liked it. I just thought it was there way too long. Fair. I was like, I'm watching a show here. Like, Fair. is something going to happen soon? I also really liked the shot where it cut to a guy picking up his camera in the backstage yeah. and running towards the... I thought that was great, too. As well. Just like... You know, we we have complained for so long. Like, the entirety of doing this podcast, yeah. WWE TV looks shitty and boring and has not evolved its style in any way visually over the past 20 years. Yeah, shoot Kevin Dunn. So anything that they do that is different from that, like, it, do it does make a big difference. You do but feel it. I guess I'm not willing to move on from Paul because I guess I might as well just wrap it here because I, I thought the worst part of the show also had Heyman's fingers all over it. Mike and Maria. The, the Canellis and Seth and Becky uh, segment, which I, I saw some people saying that they liked it. So I think that's good for you. I thought this was an all-time bad segment. I thought, I don't know. I think I'm fully back to just hating Seth Rollins at this point. Like, what is he doing to Becky? Are these people actually in a relationship? Like, the, Becky is a good promo. 
Seth yeah. Rollins is making her a bad person. When Maria showed up and saved that segment at the beginning, started actually promoing well, I was like, okay, this is good. And then she breaks into the worst material of all time. Well, that was, turning dur- that on was her. during a match, right? Uh, like they do the match and then. Well, I liked. I'm talking about the backstage still, okay, yeah, where yeah. where Maria comes in and these two, and I thought that was good. But but, then, but in the ring, I went. I had such a mood swing on this because I was genuinely thrilled for Mike and Maria. Yeah. That like you go from not being used on TV hardly at all for the longest time to like being prominently placed on Raw against the top couple in the company. Yep. Like this is a huge spot. I'm so happy for these people who I have been rooting for yeah. their success over the course of this comeback, which has you know, seemingly gone horribly awry at every turn. <sighs> But, uh, you know, to go from, like, my my pleasure at seeing them in this spot to what they were asked to do here. For those of you who may not have seen, uh, Mike Kanellis takes the pin in this match against... Uh, he, he tapped out to or, the disarmor, but before he did that, he reached to make the tag to Maria. Maria hops off the apron, grabs the microphone, and says, You told me. You told me you could be a man that you could handle this by yourself. You told me I wouldn't have to do anything. Yep. And here I am being asked to make the tag. I cannot tag in because I'm pregnant. How am I pregnant? I don't know because it's not like a man like you could get me pregnant. I'm embarrassed that you're the father of my children. I wish Becky Lynch had impregnated me. I mean, she's like, yeah, you're not man enough to have made me pregnant. And it's like, yeah. they have a child, for yeah, one. Exactly. Like, it, I just hated this segment. I thought it, it was... I mean, the the usage of Becky is going to go down as 2019's worst story to me. I mean, I, where she went from mania to here attached to this. Man, even from Rumble to Mania wasn't yeah. very good. Yeah. So she got the moment at Mania, but she has paid for it every step I, of the I, way before and since. I thought her and Charlotte was still decent, but I mean, this Lacey Evans stuff was vile. This, this segment on Monday, I mean... Does Seth like? I'm not joking here. Like they have no chemistry on. And also, like I need people to understand. If you did not see this segment, I just made it like me being emotionless and saying what the gist of what she said was a lot more clear than what actually happened. I cannot convey how disorienting a segment this was to watch unfold live. It didn't make sense. Like all of a sudden, Becky can tap. Mike Kanellis, too. Becky was about to punch Maria in the stomach. And, she's and like, she I'm says, pregnant. I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And then, then they were playing that that's how Mike Kanellis found out she was pregnant. Yes. But then... It w- and then Mike Kanellis taps out to the disarmor, which maybe is teasing that Baron Corbin is going to tap to the disarmor. Frankly, I would like to see that if, if that is going to be. I guess it's the one finish we haven't seen involving those four. <laughs> so I guess. I mean, we could hit Lacey <laughs> yeah. Evans with the curb stomp if you want to go that road instead. Uh, please edit this out, but yeah, that is my ideal finish. <laughs> <laughs> Just writing her off TV for ever. No, hopefully. I agree with you. This is like soap opera trash. This is this is and in, as much as we just praised the holy shit and the middle finger. This is the part of the Attitude Era I do not want to return. But the, I I did want to bring this up just to say, and I think I tweeted this from the account, but I can't remember. If if Raw under Heyman is going to be really strong segments and really weak segments, like a show of peaks and valleys. I'm way more okay with that than, like, listless gruel of disconnected worlds, 7 out of 10, everything. Yeah. I'll take a bad segment and then a good segment over two okay segments every single time. As long as it's interesting. As long as it's interesting. So while I did think this was, like, a dog shit tier segment that led to nothing, 
except for everyone thinking that Mike Canellis, I guess, is just a useless idiot. Yeah. Like, it didn't even build up. Se- the whole thing sucked. And, and Seth Rollins sucks. And But but I still felt Dr. Gibson. Can we move to Eric Bischoff? Yes, let's. Okay. This is the one I do not like because... Well, because you paid attention to wrestling? <laughs> because SmackDown does not need saving. Okay, so let me let me say something I think we probably both agree on here. Eric Bischoff is a good on-screen performer. Yes. Somebody that you, you like to see involved, a very natural heel, a mm-hmm. good promo. As, like, in much the same way that we were complimenting John Laurinaitis a couple sure. weeks ago, I think Eric Bischoff is in that same tier. And even stronger, I would Absolutely, say, Bischoff. Absolutely, for but, sure. But yes. in a similar way, you say. Okay, so let's we agree on that. So what I'm about to say now has nothing to do with him as a performer. Where is this man's trade? This this track record of success that that why are we bringing him in to be a creative head? The last time he was involved creatively was 2013 in TNA, mm-hmm. where he was awful, and him and Hogan took over everything and drove the company into its worst period ever, of which it's never recovered from. Can I ask a question? Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much of that is Hogan? A lot, but who brought Hogan in? That's true. So. You're talking about two sides of the same coin here. Absolutely, like, yes. Whose decision was it to give Hogan the reins? Like, so, so I, I don't know why what this is with like bringing in Eric Bischoff. Cre- if you're telling me Eric Bischoff is the new GM of SmackDown Live, it's like okay, we need an authority figure. And it's gonna be Bischoff. Mm-hmm. I can maybe get into that, but it's a creative. Yeah, because like Shane McMahon is too involved in storylines to be the authority figure. He, he, I, that makes sense to me. The only thing I can think of is that Bischoff did know when WWE was stale and old world to change WCW. That is that is. Part Partially, he gets a lot of credit for that. He and he does deserve it. Like he was that, and he's always been good at dealing with the networks. Like that's what he's yes. people have always said. Yes. So I get that he, he side of it. He had a wonderful relationship with Ted Turner. Yeah. And so I think they want him to be the network liaison when things move over to Fox. At the same time, though. But say that. The guy is not a creative good booker. Exactly. And SmackDown doesn't need better booking. Yes. Like, th- that isn't what... The SmackDown needs no raw involvement. Yes. It doesn't need better... Bo- I mean, not to say the booking could never be improved, but I wouldn't say that's the weak spot. Have you heard the conspiracy, though? No. Which is that, you know, they are looking at these plummeting ratings yeah. on both Raw and SmackDown, though I, I do know Raw ratings were up this week. Okay. I don't know that we know about SmackDown ratings as you and I record this on Wednesday afternoon yeah. right now. But... They are looking at these plummeting ratings. They are looking at the move to Fox that has already been paid for on a you know multi-billion dollar deal. And they are installing a fall guy so that if things oh, continue wow. to go badly, that like they have a they, they have a patsy to pull the trigger on and be like, Well, thank God that guy's out of there. Do you think that could be real? I mean, in part because like That's interesting. As much as they are playing up like the 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 corporate liaison uh element of the hiring uh in, in different reports that I think we've both read, yep. uh that has a two sided coin to it, right? Where if you pull the trigger on That's the guy funny. that they were dealing with the whole time, they're gonna feel like it's a brand new thing. Right. That is interesting. That is, man. that is the corporate intrigue conspiracy theory, but I think that, that doesn't it seem, has some. There's some meat on that. Bone. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the most. Out, I'm not saying I wouldn't favor that if mm. this was a betting situation. I'd say they probably actually thought that some Attitude Era fans would come back for it, but yeah. that that played a role that could definitely be on the table. I just want us to get to a point where Raw's. Uh, ratings and SmackDown's ratings are not tethered together. Okay, because, yeah. Because, like, 
I do feel like SmackDown has been a generally very good show yeah. over the last... Like, it has had some okay episodes over the last couple months, but on the whole, throughout the entirety of 2019 and back into 2018 as well... Even back. I think the whole brand split SmackDown's been pretty strong. So maybe Bischoff's job is super easy. He just walks in and <laughs> says, Everybody... Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's <laughs> let's see it all continue. My Bischoff but, sucks. But when SmackDown ratings go down, I feel like it's more tied to people being tired of Raw sure. than it does SmackDown being bad. And, like, I would love to get to a point where if you're exhausted with Raw, just don't watch it and watch SmackDown instead, as opposed to the people who watched Raw are not watching SmackDown the next day. That's, yeah. that's it. And I do, Be- I do like, like thinking of Raw as the lead into SmackDown. Yeah, and like when we, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just like, it's, it's hard to say they're separate anymore because like you watch SmackDown this week, the first 10 minutes of that show recap. are a raw recap. I couldn't believe, I was actually pissed off that the show opened and went directly to the commentary desk so that Phillips could give us an update on <laughs> yeah. what happened in the first yeah. segment of Raw the night before. Thank you, Tom. Like, you just pull the plug on the brand split at this point if this is what it's been reduced to. I mean, to some degree, I don't, like... I don't know how far away we are even from that, to be honest. Like, obviously, putting Heyman and Bischoff as heads does, like, separate them a little bit. But, gosh, does it ever feel like the same main event scene in yeah. both? Like, Kofi feels like a, the exception, but everything else, like... It would be hard for me legitimately to tell you, like, the clear differences between, like, the rosters of the show besides the C team, you know? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's tricky. I don't know. I'm, I'm a person who was watching SmackDown week after week and only popping in on Raw every so often. So, from my own experience, I know it can be done, but I think the vast majority of the WWE viewing audience is probably considered to watch both. And yeah. if they watch a Raw that stinks... They're going to be like, do I really want to watch more of that same thing tonight? Probably not. Well, no, I definitely think Raw is a lead-in for SmackDown. Like, that's that's real. Like, yeah. if Raw is good, I think people are more inclined to want more wrestling the but next night. But if one of them is on Monday and one of them is on Friday, and you have that gap in the week, maybe that is like the, the untethering of the ratings, finally. That's, you know what, there is probably something extremely... Extremely true about that, <laughs> and, then, and that is depressing. And then SmackDown could just be the exact same show that it has been all this time, and ratings go up, and ratings <laughs> also go up because it's on Fox, and Bischoff just gets to sit there like, "I'm a genius. You would done tr- it again. You would truly hate to see that. That would break my heart if people were just like, I guess he's a genius.' It's like, fuck you. I just wonder, do, I, when is like when is when do they bring Russo? Like stuff like that skeeves me out, but. You know, we'll remain and see. Yeah, I, I hope that does not happen. But Call Cornette, like, you losers. But, you know, one of the things that's been bothering me over the longest time is, like, Vince McMahon, like, remember how to make stars. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, well, I thought you were even more correct earlier about the matches in yeah, particular. Yeah, well, that, that too. You need to be selling matches is a big thing. But also, like, the reason that you have nostalgia to look back on. Did I talk about this last week? Yes. Okay. It's, yeah, because you had success before. Mm-hmm. I feel like you and I talked about this on the patio after Oh, was it recorded. not on the show? I can yeah. never tell. The reason why you have success to draw back on is because you... Like, pulled away the entire attitude or uh, early 90s roster and it all went to WCW and you had to start over. So, fucking start over. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's well said. But I will say, I feel like they've been doing a really good job of introducing people lately. Yeah, no, like, I agree with that. Be- certainly better. You think of that last NXT classic call-up. Heavy Machinery in the main event of last night's SmackDown yep. felt like established 
defined characters who I am fully on board with. And maybe it's just that Otis is a cartoon character. Come on. But I love him. I want to see more of him. And, like, you, I just – I look at those guys. I look at that match. I enjoy watching their matches. I enjoy just looking at Otis, that fridge of a man. Here's the realness. Otis – formerly Dojovic, is must-see TV. Mm-hmm. If Otis is on my screen, I'm not fast-forwarding. Mm-hmm. I am. I, he's interesting to look at. Like, yeah. I love Otis. So we talk about this fear of uh, NXT guys being brought up from NXT. Like, yeah. stay in NXT. Hashtag stay in NXT forever. But also, like, you look at... Samoa Joe this week. Yep. You look at uh, uh, Heavy Machinery on the main roster. You look at Ricochet going up against AJ Styles. Yep. Man, like, there is so much uh, that they have done well lately in terms of establishing people as stars. Now, Samoa Joe, that thing is a long time coming. But I get what you mean, though. This past crop of NXT call-ups, certainly, outside of Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin, who, like, just don't have it. Yeah. Uh, the people who are being positioned like that, it is paying off. Like, they do know how to do this deep down. They just haven't done it in a long time. Uh, just last thing on that group of call-ups, I hope EC3 gets involved in this Maverick 24-7 title thing. Yes. Because those guys have natural chemistry. He's been involved in a lot of the online Twitter videos. Before we move on to the, the G1, which we will, and then AEW after that, I do just want to take a moment on this show this week to talk yes. about Drake Maverick and the 24-7 title. Yeah. Because I feel like this man is proving to me clip by clip, week by week, that he's the right guy for this title, that this title may have seemed goofy, but I'm now interested in it, and that Drake Maverick has something. If, if you know, we look back at the uh, hardcore 24-7 era as, like, Crash Holly's yes. belt, yeah. it is clear that Drake Maverick is the Crash Holly of this 24-7 Even more than our truth, I think, already. Yeah. I agree. I agree. He is... One of the most entertaining things on WWE TV right now. Yep. Him and Truth have completely uh, legitimized and and like validated the idea of the creation of this title in the first place. Yep. Um, it's very entertaining, but we also need to talk about two more things with WWE before we move oh, on. Oh my goodness! Because we didn't talk about Undertaker coming back last week. Not unintentional. Yeah. What? There's not a lot to say there. I will say I didn't hate his promo this week. Yeah, I was. It was one of his better promos yeah, of I, late, but you know, that's a low bar to clear. You know what, man, man? I, I don't mean to be this guy, yeah. but, like, you know, who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? Do you care at all about this feud, Shane and Drew and Roman and Undertaker? No, it feels entirely that, like, Undertaker was so pissed after the yeah. um, Goldberg match. And you could see it in his eyes. He was absolutely livid after that match. Well, I mean... I'm livid, too, at him, having, not at Goldberg. Having watched it. Dude, he is literally selling out to go to Saudi Arabia to put on horrible main events over and over and over. This guy had a yeah. legacy of greatness. And yeah. now when I see him, he has a legacy of dog shit tier. Yeah. Like, I am not interested. And listen, I'm, I want to validate what you said. Okay. His promo was better than it normally is. I liked that he addressed why he was supporting Roman and he didn't do... And it was longer and more, like, directed. Like, it wasn't super vague like somebody. But, yeah. but I just... It, it felt more opponent-specific than anything I've heard out of his mouth in a very long time. That's ab- besides saying their name than saying rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. But it is just... I, it's just a non-starter for me. Like, who knew The Undertaker was going to enter my Dolph Ziggler zone? But he's <laughs> he's getting close. To it. That well, gong hits, and I'm like, oh, seven minutes of this. But it's exactly what I talked about, about selling matches. Yeah. Because Undertaker is a point where... 
there is no like diminishing returns have diminished to the point that there is no return. <laughs> yeah, where you're point. in the negative. Exactly. Like it is, and and there's there's no salvaging it. No I one don't... wants to see those matches like, or promos. Yeah. I don't even want to see the fucking entrance anymore. I mean, as a tag match, I think this can be a spot where he is protected enough where this match can be fine. I yep. just think this is ultimately. I know that there is like a break glass in case of emergency element to this with like ratings sagging. They feel like Undertaker has to be involved involved in television. I think this works both ways though that Undertaker was so like he we watched it on his face play out in real time at the end of that awful pay-per-view. Yep. A man rec- reckoning with his own legacy and realizing no amount of money is worth this. I would guarantee he said to Vince, I am not letting the last image or lingering taste of Undertaker in anyone's mind be the match that I just had. Get me back on TV immediately. Yeah, I mean, I wish he would have had that attitude in 2012. (laughs) That would have been more ideal. Uh, You said that, that, you know, you think you could hide him in a tag match and it could be good. And I do agree. But let me just say something here that did occur to me and I haven't seen people talking about. I'm going to list some matches that have happened between these four competitors. And I want your thoughts on them. Sure. Roman versus Drew. Uh, I didn't like it both times. Shane versus Undertaker. Uh, I it was fine. It was it was it was yeah. is acceptable. Roman versus Undertaker. <laughs> Do you understand what I get? Like yes. it's, it's like there's no combination of these things that are even yeah, interesting no, to me. Like what are we doing here? Yeah, drives me but, crazy. And it's especially bad because like man, I like what Shane is doing right yes. now. Sh- I Shane and Under <laughs> or Shane and Roman is a good feud yeah. hidden and just. Dressed up in, it's like a hot guy dressed in like the worst clothes. Yeah, I I like what Shane is doing with this new corporation stable thing. And like Roman, I know people were, our group chat was saying the other night, it's remarkable that they've found a way to blow the goodwill off of conquering cancer. And it is remarkable. But like, I don't think they've completely blown it. I like, hope you're right. Like, I still like Roman as a person on a base level, which I did not before. Yeah. I do not have, like, an automatic, vitriolic, negative, like, visceral reaction to him that I must boo when he appears right. like I used to. It's just that they have booked him to be so boring yeah. that I don't care about this guy. Ugh. And that's not good either. No, it is not. One last thing we need to talk about before we yeah, move well, on to another thing. federation, and it's another thing that we did not find time to talk about last week this new philosophy that wwe has rolled out over the last couple weeks of there can be no action during a commercial break so we are going to come up with increasingly uh wild ways as there to be nothing happening during commercials Okay, so I'll say something nice here. Okay. I think their heart's in the right place, not wanting action taking place during commercial breaks. Or at I least think not commercial breaks where we don't get the picture and picture yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think... matches still continue on SmackDown. I think their heart's in the right place. And I think this week they actually did a decent job of masking it in different ways. With well, especially the, the main event of SmackDown I thought was very good. And of Raw, with Ricochet's yeah. leg being under the, the rope. And the two tag teams just bursting out into yep. uh, you know a brawl. I just don't know how many of these you can have up the sleeve. Yes. Like, what are we? Where are we four weeks from now? Yeah, you're definitely gonna run out of tricks pretty quickly. And, and that's not their fault. I mean, have you sat around and sort of bandied around in your head different ways they can do it? I mean, I can get to like five or six different ways, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, and of course, they have a creative team who are all much more smarter than me. So they say, but are they a brain genius? <laughs> uh, and and I just wonder. I'm curious to see how this develops. 
I'm maybe not as sour on it as other people because it hasn't felt as ham-fisted and forced yet to me because mm-hmm. they found ways around it. But I could see this going way south in the weeks to come. It's just you've it, already – they've only been doing this for, what, two, three weeks now? I think two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah, I think so. And it so. feels like in two weeks they have already – just decimated the meaning of the two out of three falls oh, stipulation. Yeah, t- totally. Like you're never going to be able to use a two yeah. out of three falls stip as the blow-off at a pay-per-view ever again. They can call the stip now match on SmackDown. Yeah. That could be the stip for two out of three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can I? That And that is a disappointment because, like, two out of three falls matches as the blow-off to feuds can be good. Are Typically, typically are very good. good. A lot of the great matches throughout history. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Can I go off for a second Go here? for it. I love it when you go off. I, I just, I see a lot of these takes, Jamo. I see a lot of these takes. Mm-hmm. A lot of this. A, a lot, lot of chatter. people are talking. A lot, a lot just of takes. slapping their guns. Blah, blah, blah. And here's what I hear them saying. I hear them saying, well, this is easy. At the at the commercial break, when the commercial break goes, you blow a whistle and the competitors have to return to their corners. you got it figured out. So, like, rounds as there's commercials. Guys, this is where you're not often lucky to have me on this podcast, but but today you are because I was watching total nonstop action wrestling when they had the grand championship. Aaron Rex. Which was exactly this, and it was not good. It was moment. I mean, you can't have a match like this. It destroys the momentum. And the fact that, I mean, theirs was different because they would score it at the end of the round, which is just mm-hmm. obviously a horrible idea for a wrestling match. But yeah. I, I just don't see this as the out. And I've seen this idea in a hundred places. I really just don't think this is the the, me- the way you're going to get out of this well, situation. Well, my problem with it, like, especially when they do it as a two out of three falls thing, it, it, there's other ways that you can do it, whether that's having someone come down to the ring, like, uh, you know, Gallows and Anderson came yep. down to ringside during the, the Ricochet-AJ match last week. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, having people come out and, and the ref being like, what's going on here? That just sort of makes the ref look like an idiot. It but always like, does. But whatever, like, this is, this is fine. A two out of three falls match where before every commercial break, we suddenly know it's time to have a fall. I can't think of anything that exposes the business more. <laughs> Protect it's, the business! It's the most, like, there's nothing more predetermined <laughs> than we're having a two out of three falls match. Oh, and every fall is going to happen exactly before we need to take a break. Uh, and, and, like, you may as well just say we're having a three segments of television match. Yeah, that's what it is, man. And, like, yeah. The, uh, you're never again also going to have a two out of three falls match where someone takes the first two falls and wins the match. <laughs> it, that will never happen ever again on television. It, it, it hap- Who did it? Was it Del Rio against Kalisto? Was yes. that the last one? Yeah. yeah it, ha- it has happened before but on not on TV. Of the blow yeah, up, no, but you're never going to see it in a situation like this. No, because it doesn't make sense for Dodge commercials. <laughs> exactly. Madman, do you know what it is? What is it? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Why is that? Oh, it's the G1. The G1 Climax Tournament starts this Sunday. New Japan's wrestling, uh, what would you say, super tournament? For those of you who are not too familiar, it is two blocks of wrestlers, one block A, one block B. Every wrestler wrestles everybody in their block to determine two winners who wrestle in the finals. The winner of that Gets, gets a, shot, a, shot, a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. At the Tokyo Dome. Now, it is question for you. I Just let me finish just giving the parameters real quickly. It's sure. also where they set up a great deal of their feuds as if you pin the champion, the champion enters the G1, you are getting a title shot between now and Wrestle Kingdom. This is where feuds are often born within New Japan Pro Wrestling. The work rate is insane. 
I am fired up. Please, Jamo. What was your question? Uh, when you say this Sunday, yeah. do you mean it's going to be on Sunday at night or Saturday night? It like, is being is it held Saturday night in Dallas, American time. So okay. Saturday night, I should be okay. clear. Okay. I will be watching it Sunday, so don't, <laughs> don't watch with me. Watch on New Japan World. But this card is absolutely lights out. If, I'm going to read it to you real quick here, and Go I think you're going to respond. I know, I know Moxley's not on it. No, no, no block B. It's just all block A okay. wrestlers. Okay. Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer. <laughs> okay, maybe not as much as fun. Evil versus Bad Luck Fale. I'm into that. Sonata versus Zack Sabre Jr., Hello. That's a big time, yes. My match of the night, Kota Ibushi versus the returning Kenta. I can't, man. Kenta in the G1? That's so sick. And Kenta's first match in New Japan being Kota Ibushi. Holy fuck. I could not be more fired up for that. Absolutely. And then main evented by Okada versus Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's that's always really good. That's a a dynamite Saturday for me. That's, uh, I'm very excited. But I'm mostly, you know, I I like watching the G1. I like just having something to do every day, like a little bit of wrestling content, get in 40 minutes or something. I'm very excited. Now, I don't watch every G1. I think I made this clear on the show. I use less legal means that put together these little highlight packages of the sort of two or three best matches on a card. But this one, I will go out of my way to be watching the whole thing. Yeah, and it's a special American card, too, so there's mm. eyes on it for that reason as well. Yep. Are uh, you excited for the G1 this year? I am, actually. And I've been meaning to, the past couple of years, I keep being like, I should get into the G1. And yeah. then the G1 comes around, and it's like... I'm busy, and also this is crazy. It asks a lot of a person. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's uh, th- there's a you listen to a show I think John Pollock. I do. He does like a recap show after every G1 day, which yeah. is like that is true shit eating wild man stuff. Like you, in a way, you have to respect that. But I am so excited for this. I, do you have a prediction for who's going to win the tournament? I'm not exactly sure. I would really like it to be Coda. I think that's likely. Put me down for the second year of a row of Tetsuya Naito taking it down, but uh, we'll we'll absolutely see. There's there's going to be a plethora of good matches, and like we went over on the show last week, Block B also uh, home of uh, John Moxley, so you're going to get to see him watch everyone in New Japan that you want to see him wrestle besides the Block A guy. So so much to look forward to. But Justin, the story exiting this weekend was unquestionably AEW's Fighter Fest. Agree. Absolutely. So you watched this show? I did, yeah. Give me your your overall thoughts, particularly as it pertains to following Double or Nothing. It was just okay. It felt like the first AWB show, fair to say? Yes, absolutely. Um, And not, not necessarily in a bad way. This was not a bad show. I was not especially bored by it. But let's dive into it a little bit, and we can figure out uh, maybe why we felt that way. Did you watch the tag match on the pre-show? I did not. I did not. Okay, so let's just start with the main card here. As Seema defeated Chris Daniels. I like I like Shima, man. Yeah. I, I think he's really sick. Yep. Like, uh, there's still kind of like that thing that I said about Kylie Ray, where she's like playing very oh, broad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with him, but I. But there's also something about it that comes off more as like an anime character sure. in a way. So no, I'm kind I agree. of okay with it. But I thought this match was good, man. If Daniels is going to be used as like your hot open guy in AEW, I yeah. think that's a really good role for him. And even in like a Ziggler role of like uh, putting over new people or people to be introduced, like just a veteran who can get something out of everybody and introduce people. So yeah, I thought n- not a remarkable match, but like a great 10 minute singles opener here to, to sort of get the show started. And, and Daniel's entrance is also like a good way to open a show I feel like yeah, I thought his music sucked though like, I can't even think of it, it, it I don't know like I, SCU had fun music at all in and maybe it was licensed and they oh, okay. can't use it anymore or maybe this but is this Daniel was just Solo like, 
it had like an SCU chant at the beginning. I thought this was a recurring theme over the course of this show, and maybe people had this complaint after uh, Double or Nothing as well, and I just didn't notice the music because I was enjoying the wrestling so much that night. Oh, that it's like piped through the arena? Yeah, it sounds bad. Yeah, I felt, especially for Moxley on this show, I was like, like I'd like to hear his tune. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, I know that you disagree with me on this one, mm. and you're going to tell me it's bad, but I genuinely think Cody has the only theme music that sounds like wrestling theme music the rest of it all sounds like uh kind of create a wrestler themes that you might use in a video game that aren't attached to anyone that come with the video game well i actually think you're right oh really yeah i do disagree with you (laughs) you were correct about that i know that you don't like cody's theme yeah i think it sucks but i think i think you're right the vibe of something that sounds like wrestling music again it just i think i've said this on the show but it reminds me exactly of gargano's that it's just so it's like too lighthearted. like it's a bit of a mismatch it's the vocal track the music itself is fine yeah vocals maybe don't match let's move on here to this three-way between uh rio yuka sasaki and nyla rose uh i thought this was great actually this was super fun yeah i thought that this got uh Rio um, and what was the other? Sasaki. Yuka. Yeah. I thought this really established them in a way that like, you know, you and I talked about the six-woman Japanese tag match from uh, Double, Double or Nothing. Nothing, and we couldn't figure out who anyone was yes. because we'd never been introduced to these people before. That's right. I I knew who Rio was after that match because she was a standout of that match. Mm-hmm. And Yuka, like, I was aware of you know, I was describing someone who looked like a cross between Jasmine and Aladdin, basically, <laughs> um, in terms of the way they dressed. Maybe and it's their wore, kid. And she wore that same outfit again tonight. But, like, I immediately knew who she was. And you say that name enough times. I don't want it to be, like, a racial thing that it's just, like, I can't tell Japanese people apart or whatever. Right. But, like, there was not anything done to differentiate enough of those people. Sure. I don't well, think. two of them had the same first name exactly. also. Which and then confusing. we come to this match, and it's, like... They feel like separate entities. I have a good eye handle on who both of these people are, not just as wrestlers, but as characters. A really good sign for me was, like, during this match, I was cheering for Rio. Somebody I wasn't familiar with was, oh, she's kind of standing out here. And then she won. I always feel like that's, like, it's like maybe they knew this was going to happen, that she would catch mm-hmm. I thought she stood out in a great way to hear to me. I thought she stood out at Double or Nothing even more, honestly. But sure. uh, I really liked this match. That could be true. I, I think maybe it, there was just so much. Maybe it didn't sound as much to me there. On this mm-hmm. show, I thought she, she was... Uh, Really, really, like, I remembered her the next day. I was like, yeah, that was a good show. And I thought letting Nyla just kind of go off as a heel afterwards, like, yep. pissed off that she'd lost. Get was, some big, strong yeah, heat. That, no, that was, uh, you know, that worked for me, too. Jim, our last match we're going to cover here before a returning segment is Adam Page defeating Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, and MJF. I thought Jungle Boy was fantastic. I, I never really got into this match. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It... it I, Never fully clicked with me, but I'm glad you're so hot on Jungle Boy, and I think the pairing of him and Luchasaurus is really natural and good. He did this thing that I think, I can't even remember what they called it, but he he pushed up like he was going to jump up onto the top turnbuckle and then flip off, but he never uh, went up to the top. He just kind of left himself elevated and then did a tuck cannonball kind of off the turnbuckle off the side of it. I had never seen that before. I said as I was watching it, I've never seen that spot before and I thought it looked awesome. I thought it looked fantastic. I thought he had a couple of other uh, high flying and and kind that of was the best one, offensive I moments that were very impressive to me. We're going to talk about Cody's match later on, but I had similar impressions on Darby Allen. Yep. Is that like when this guy gets the green light to work at top speed, he clearly has a very impressive top that speed. That second gear is the, awesome. The number one thing that I came out of the show wanting that I didn't know I wanted coming into it 
is a Jungle Boy versus Darby Allen match. Two small men getting down. But, like, there's room for that. If nope, you're going sure. to present your company as a smorgasbord of wrestling styles, then give me some styles that work together every so often, too, as opposed to putting a big guy against a little guy. JMO, we will get to the rest of this card because I think there's a point, a couple of big things we got to well, touch there's on. There's more on that match that we can talk about too. I thought, uh, you know, uh, our presumptive first ever AEW champion, unless they go the Jericho, Hangman, which very much can, can, can J- as well. Can Jr. please call him Hangman Page as opposed to Hangman? Hangman, there's Hangman. Paul Hangman. Hangman. Yeah, Paul Hangman. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see fucking bananas. I did like Jr. on this show though. I, I thought yeah. the commentary team without Marvez, I had no idea who this golden yeah, boy gold guy boy. was. Yeah, I yeah, wasn't. He's apparently like a Twitch streamer for video games. So they, oh. So he was associated with the video game company, and they put him on for the show. Right, because, yeah, this one had some tying in with, like, CEO fighting yeah. game. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was a fighting game tournament attached to the convention center that they were doing the show at. Um, I thought he was good. Uh, okay, so don't get too far into that, because that's a keeper to kick it. Okay. So let's just let's just end it there. Sure. And we'll move into a returning fan favorite. It's time for Keep It or Kick It. Justin, for those of who may have not understood the rules to Keep It or Kick It, it's been a little while. Let me explain it before we uh, you know, do a little something I like to call hitting the music. As, sure, uh, sure. Keep It or Kick It is a, a segment where I, Josh Custodio, write out 15 to 20 musings just from the general wrestling world, and I get you, Madman Morissette, to tell me when you hear that. If you want to keep the item, which means you like it, you love it, you want some more of it, or you want to kick the item, which means you hate it, you despise it, you never want to see it again, do you understand the rules, Justin? I do understand. Then I think it's time to hit the music. And we are joined on a special two-man version of Keep It or Kick It by roommate of the show, Mike Noble. Yeah, just, Justin, I told you to hit the music, not bring in your roommate to do Keep It or Kick well, It. he plays the music. Yeah, he, that's true. He thought you were cueing a band. That He thought that was his stage, uh, his cue to come on stage. Of yeah. course, from Hotel Mira, you know him and love him. At Bike Melon on Twitter, Mike Noble. What's up, guys? As everyone knows, as soon as someone says hit the music, I yeah. have to get involved. It's yeah. absolutely true. He slid out of the kitchen guitar. <laughs> Yes. In hand. <laughs> Folks, uh, it is not even a bit. He yeah, is holding his bass in his hand. I, I, I was just practicing on the couch. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Yeah. How's the show been so far? You've been listening to us? It's been good. Some right. takes. Yeah, some real takes. Anything you disagree with? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I actually like Cody's music. Oh, am Same. I alone on this? It kind of sounds like a Fallout Boy like E side. Yeah, that's. I, <laughs> I agree. That's like the best you can ask for in a wrestling <laughs> but theme it, song. But it also sounds like the closing credits <laughs> song to like a JRPG. Ugh. Like you, you beat like a Star Ocean game, and Cody's music no one's comes ever on. beat a Star Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever. Yeah, Derek and I. I know like you're trying to relate to me, Justin, <laughs> but that's just not going to work right. I now. beat Star Ocean, uh, one of them for PlayStation. Did you really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got like eight. Did your uncle who worked at Sony give it to you? No, yeah. I bought it with my own money. Wow. I don't even know why. I think it got a good review in uh, EGM. EGM was a great magazine. Yeah, Star great Ocean mag. was sick. And wow. then I went out and bought it, and I I loved that game. Nice. Yeah. You guys ready to keep it or kick it? Yeah. yeah I'm going I'm to keep Star Ocean 2, apparently. <laughs> keep it or kick it. WWE purchasing Ring of Honor in 2020. I'm going to say kick it. They're so involved in Evolve right now yeah. that like you don't need a secondary company like that. And NXT is already your Ring of Honor. Kick it. There's enough flat earthers in the WWE already. <laughs> <laughs> Ember Moon becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion in 2019. Keep it. She's great. 
Yeah, I think she's underused, definitely. So I'll say keep it as well. Drake Maverick and his wife entering and winning the next Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, if that means that Drake Maverick's wife gets signed to the company, then I'll say keep it. Yeah, keep it. It's been great. You guys going to disagree on anything? WWE introducing a hardcore title. Uh, I, I uh, Keep it only if they rebrand the 24-7. I say kick it because the 24-7 already is that. Just make it weapons. New Day break. So we, we basically same said answer. the same you guys, thing. You guys gave a different answer and somehow <laughs> landed on the exact same take. I don't know if I'm impressed or disgusted, but we'll move on. New well, Day. I just don't think, in, like, there's so many fucking belts at this point. Yeah. Like, get rid of 24-7 if you're going to bring that back to hardcore. New Day being the reason that Kofi Kingston loses his WWE championship. Um... I'm going to say kick it. I like this thing of he's doing everything on his own, win or lose. And they are also really getting over Trouble in Paradise as, like, yeah. the strongest finish on the roster right now. Uh, so having said that, yeah, no, if he's going to lose, I want him to lose on his own merits. I kick that. Uh, I'm going to kick it for a different reason. Go ahead. Um, and it's because I think that it's an incredibly emotionally deep and nuanced story that I don't have faith that the WWE will be able to tell. Fair. Uh, no way Jose getting a push as a heel. I mean, sure. Like, what? define a push. Just uh, okay, used, you're right. used even more, <laughs> like no, you're used right. prominently at all, or used as in, a primetime In guy? a mid-card title scene. Mid-card title. So he's challenging Ricochet? Sure. Sure, yeah. I'll say keep that. I'm not enthused about it, but... Why not use him? Kick it. He sucks. JR is a commentator in 2019. Good old JR, Jim Ross. Kick it. Can't deal. Why is that? He's a, he's age. He's a, like he's like a parody of himself. He, he's mm. like whenever I hear you talk about the Undertaker, that's kind of how I feel about JR. I'm gonna say keep it. I really liked the commentary on Fighter Fest. I thought it was one of the better elements of the entire show. Really? I'm pretty sure you made a comment about it when we were no, watching the it. No, and the comment was that. There were times when JR was talking that felt like a video game. He'd be like, Excalibur, who is Shima? Where did he train? And it just felt like oh, that is going to go into a pre-packaged, uh, pre-recorded response that Shima taped when they were doing the video game of AEW yeah. as well. And those things will play every time you see a Shima entrance. For, like, there were moments like that for sure. But on the whole, like there is something comforting about his voice that does make me feel like this is wrestling in the same way that Bob Cole tells you that this is hockey or, you know, there, every sport has a defining voice. And for better or worse, JR is wrestling's. Um, Hangman. And, and he's, like, look, let's be honest. Kenny he's, Omerga. He's not the He's <laughs> not the play-by-play guy anymore. No. He is a host who provides color. Like, he introduces the broadcast, but he's not doing play-by-play -play during the matches. Yeah, no true. So, what an impactful maneuver. <laughs> so uh, JR, that was the one-winged angel. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> but, like, I liked the commentary on this show, so I'll say keep JR. Street Profits doing all brands. I should say appearing on all brands. It's good exposure for them. I don't really like it, though. Kick it. I'm going to kick it, too. It doesn't work. Remember when they did, like, oh, yeah, EC3 and Nikki Cross are on every brand. It's like, well, look how that fucking turned out. Just made them feel like a mess, basically, yeah. before they even started. Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins being an on-screen couple. Kick it. 
They have uh, less chemistry than my high school science courses. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. But yeah, they're not. I mean, I appreciate that you shop for something. They can't yeah. all be winners. I mean, the entire appeal. Your chemistry probably had ton tons of chemistry. I didn't. I took class. bio. That, that's the, that was the origin of the joke. Oh, like, okay. once, once we got to select, I didn't take any chemistry. So for the fans oh, out there who knew yeah. Mike Noble's high school schedule. I didn't take chemistry yeah, either. Yeah, if you if you went to high school <laughs> with me and you're listening to this, I probably still don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You rescued yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the, the entire appeal of putting an, a couple on screen that are an actual couple, like, for example, the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, is that, like, you're going to get real-life fuck eyes yeah. on display yeah. in your movie or show during every segment that they're together. I, that, that is not translated with these two. They clearly do not... They're not at a comfortable. They clearly do not point. fuck. No, they're just not. <laughs> yeah, they're man, like they just don't have sex. Saving themselves. I, yeah. I don't think they're comfortable being uh, in a real, relationship together. Well, on TV. <laughs> I, I, and like, there's there is something weird about it too. Like, I'm not sure I would be comfortable with it either. Yeah. Um, to be perfectly honest. So, I, like, there is an appeal that you can get something out of it, but right now they're not. So I'll say kick it. I just wanted to say fuck guys on the show. Damn. <laughs> Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. Kick it. Like, cool. The angle was great. He ran through a wall. Sweet. But, like, fuck that pairing. Keep it. Yeah. They finally did something that got me excited to see them have a stipulation match at Extreme Rules for the first time that these two have been paired together. Yeah, it's going to be a light screen match. First person to put the other through a light screen No, win. it'll be something. No, it'll be an ambulance match. And it'll be fun. Like, I, I'm I'm stoked on them after what we saw this yeah. week. Big stunts don't draw me anymore. Okay. I guess he was just on my... What? At all? Eh. Wow. We, I, feel, I feel like we've seen everything. Like, yeah, it's cool when Shane does a dive. I think but like two new things last year. When? Uh, Shane going off the top of the cage through the table. And... That's Kevin Owens who did that. What? That's Kevin Owens who did that last year. Did what? Off the top of the cage through the table. No, it he didn't. It was Owens, yeah. Owens saved... Zane saved Owens. Oh, the cell. Owens was on the, the, cell. the table. Yeah, but that was the second time Shane did that. That completely neutered the fact that it was the first time since Mankind. Oh, I thought you I were th talking about the Braun Owens. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the Braun Owens. Oh, I see. Okay, never mind. Let's move on here. Uh, I guess he was on my mind. Gabe Sapolsky getting a WWE brand in the next five years. Well, like, that would just be him taking over NXT as Hunter takes over the main roster, yeah. right? So, yeah, sure. I'm on board with that. Keep it. I'm indifferent. Yeah? Yeah. But you have to give an answer. Ah, uh, kick it. Let someone else new do it. I'm going to let you guys peek behind the curtain here. Sometimes I write ones just wanting to hear a keep it. I write things that I'm so sure are an absolute keep it that it brings me joy. So I've done that here as I say keep it or kick it. A WWE network show starring Mark Henry doing whatever he wants. Keep it. I'm going to say kick it. Fuck you! Because I want Mark Henry out of his WWE contract so he can be doing AEW commentary. No, but here's the he thing. Can do whatever yeah, he, he can do whatever he wants. The WWE Network show is Mark Henry going to AEW. You tune okay. in no, and no, it's Mark no, Henry okay. doing Ready. whatever Ready. I got he wants. Stop I, shouting over no, me. No, no, I got this. Okay. I bet okay. it's going to suck. So, I'm so, so the sure. The program is that he goes to AEW. He wears a Bullet Club shirt the whole time. And it's called Smart Henry. And he's doing commentary with AW. Excalibur and JR. That's my commentary table if I'm AEW. <laughs> I've talked about this before. <laughs> Lacey Evans. Kick it. I mean, I wouldn't, kick it. I wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers, but I, I would, would kick it on Keep It or Kick It. I wouldn't let her into my house. Yeah. She wouldn't be allowed to eat crackers at my home because I'd be like, you are awful. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear about manners or your dumbass gimmick or your horrible anchoring of Becky's heat. Kick it.
And finally, you nasty. You nasty. <laughs> and speaking of involvement <laughs> with AEW. That shit makes no sense to me. Like what? Her, be, her being like a Southern Belle and her thing is like, all these nasties. It's like, oh, yeah. it's, it doesn't work as like a pinup girl insult. Yeah, Maybe it does. It's I don't know. If someone is a rockabilly person out there, can confirm or deny if nasties <laughs> is something you say. Listen, it's identical to anything else in wrestling. If she could pull it off, it would be pulled off. Yeah, There's exactly. other people. Jericho got the word it. Something fun. To, <laughs> is it a thing that rock stars say? <laughs> no. He's just talented. Something Lacey Evans is, is not. not. And finally, Mick Foley having a backstage piece of involvement with AEW. Uh, keep it. Yeah, I think he... Just him being back there is a wealth of knowledge, especially for like up and coming people where they're actually doing things like unprotected headshots, apparently, and blade jobs. It's like, yeah, like maybe they won't do them anymore because Foley will just throw, <laughs> just be existing backstage. Like, oh, I don't want to be like that. He just <laughs> walks past them and they're like, what? Hang on, what are we doing here? Yeah. So it's not an on screen role. No. He's not doing anything on television. Not on screen. I would say keep it then. Yeah. yeah. I don't think AEW needs to have a. Uh, like authority figure. Mm-hmm. I don't, if, if they want to be a company that exists without that, I'm fully happy about that. But yeah, definitely. If you're, if you're going to bring in Dean Malenko and Billy Gunn and all these guys who, like, I respect the hell out of Dean Malenko, don't get me wrong, but Mick Foley is a cut above all those guys in terms of what he can offer a next generation of talent. Well, and especially in a company where right now you've got Mox, Janela, Havoc, Allen, like, those are all guys who certainly can learn a thing or two from Cactus. Absolutely. Wrestling that style, fucking for sure. Bring him in. Why not? So like I like to say, and that was, was keep, keep it or kick it. it. Thanks for coming on, Mike. No worries. Thanks for having me. That was fun. A little hot tag action yeah. with Mike Noble there. Always fun to have the, the big heavy on here, man. I mean, he's still in the room. He's sitting right yeah. next to us. He is we there. cut his mic. Shut yeah, up. No, yeah, no talking. That's it. Who said silence? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's always. Uh, I, I think the you guys, it's a good dyna- dynamic. But, man, man, we got to yeah, get into the rest. I hope it continues forever and he never moves out. <laughs> <coughs> Uh, Jamal, let's talk about Cody versus Darby Allen and not talk about the chair shot that follows. Let's just talk about this match because uh, it the- seemed like it existed primarily to get across that AEW yeah. has time limits. I I couldn't agree more. This match was so boring. This was a very drawn out glacial <laughs> man glacial and and you alluded to it earlier when they let darby get in these pieces of offense that sort of brought me to life obviously the what does he call it the coffin dive onto the apron. coffin drop i thought was disgusting i i honestly was like more upset looking at that than the chair shot and i know that that's might, insane I, it's not that insane it's, that, it's that truly insane exceptionally dangerous bump there's no doubt but we do not have evidence of like what that does to people but like We'll get to it in a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shot. Without the, cha- the chair the, shot. The chair, is, the chair was gimmicked, but like... Oh, yeah. We'll get there it in sure a second. sure was. We'll get there. Before we go deep on this match, though, there was... I had one more thing to talk about in the, in the last one. Oh, we, we gotta just we, move we, on. Hang on, though. Hangman? Bulking up, brud. Yeah, he is not, not looking the best. He is not cut, but, but I felt like it was not... Mike was saying he put on weight. Like yeah, he, he looked fat. sloppy. No, I thought he looked like he just put on beef. Like, he looked, he didn't look like cut, but he looked like he had put on muscle. Are you trying to say this was an improved looking version of Hangman? I don't think so, but I think he, I think in like trying to like. 
being positioned as a top guy, he went out and is like, well, I got to look like a top guy looks now. Yeah. So I got to put on extra mass. So maybe he's on the way to like turning that into muscle. Yeah. Sort of bulking season. But I, I don't think, I think that's bad if he did think that about himself. He looked fine before. Yeah. Hangman, I thought he looked- body positivity, but. Yeah, Hangman. You look fine. I'm glad we went back to talk about Hangman. That's I, just, yeah, I just had a lingering thought on that match. Hangman, he looked yeah. Uh, heavier. Yeah, so those. But not fat. I'm not going to call him that. Okay. That was Mike. Okay, let's get on to the chair shot yes. then. Well, well uh, what else do we have to talk about in that match? Darby worked a fun, fast style in the final five minutes yeah. when he got the green light that, like, oh, things are actually happening in this match now before our time limit expiration. All the critiques I have about Cody Rhodes as a worker, I think, were on display here. And I don't mean to just turn on because I loved him and Dustin, but I also made note of, like, I basically only like him and Dustin and him and Ibushi. But mm-hmm. this just felt like that slow, methodical thing is only going to work with certain opponents and only with certain story. These guys do not have a very clear story. There was not a clear one told in this match. I thought the Aldis match at All In was great, though. Yeah, and, that, and that's very well, similar. Story, to, though. That's very similar to the style, though, that he worked with Dustin. That it's like very drawn out '80s main event style storytelling driven drama, match. and still anchored to the old man in both of them. Yeah, and this there was no, no, there was no sort of drama, no character driven storytelling going on with this. It was literally just. Let's show that we have time limits because we're different than the other company. Yeah, I I felt very much similar. It's like, oh, okay, we know that time limits exist now. And, and it kind of was... killed my interest in the show, honestly. Like, it was that much of a drag. This match in general, yeah, like, just felt like it kept pumping the brakes and, you know. And yeah. honestly, like, the four-way that we kind of skimmed over with those yeah. four guys, when we came into the show, you and I talked about last week, that feels like the most important mm-hmm. match on this show because it tells you so much about what their TV is going mm-hmm. to look like and totally. I feel like that did bear out in that like I did like the MJF promo before it yep but the match itself was not like it had some good spots in it from a work rate angle it was significantly better than Cody and uh, uh, Darby for sure mm-hmm. but like it wasn't great either I, I, this show like other than the main event it felt like AEW's first B show. Yes. And I, mean, I know yeah. they've only had yeah, yeah. one show, yeah. but I'm counting all in in that as well. For sure. Yeah. Um, still the same company, effectively. Uh, I'll just say that just like it, Cody... Just uh, like WWE and NXT. I, yeah, everyone knows those two. <laughs> the interchangeable. Um, <laughs> still the same company, ostensibly. Every, everyone knows that. And everyone knows that to be the truth, and everyone agrees with it. <laughs> um, I, I just thought that maybe this was the first sign of like Cody being a booker and also in creative is not good. This match has no right being 20 minutes besides needing the time yeah. limit draw. Like, this well, is a 12-minute match. There's 12 well, minutes of action here. The, you could do this as a 20-minute match if you booked a 20-minute yeah, match. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's this is said. not. This, is, this was so slow. This was clearly like they had these things plotted out, and they were waiting on time cues to get to them, which, like... Don't fucking do a match like that in 2019. Are you yeah. kidding me? I, I, yeah. I think we're totally on the same page on that. So the match ends, and one Sean Spears, formerly Ty Dillinger, comes out and gives Cody a whack with a chair to the, the head. Cody doesn't get his arms up. And watching it, knowing that you know people had said, well, the chair was gimmicked, it was worked, and yeah. the, what cut him open was the metal frame, like mm-hmm. the top part of it caught him in the back of the head, because the actual flat 
uh, seat part of the chair. The you cushion could, portion. You could yeah. tell that it was like cushioned. Yeah. It looked like it had crash pad style sort of matting on it. Mm-hmm. It was thicker than a chair normally is. So like if you're going to work a chair shot like that, like I don't necessarily have the biggest problem with it. Clearly it still split him open. He got like 12 staples in his head, yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, the night of you said no one got hurt. Well, he doesn't have a concussion. That's the thing that everyone is afraid of, right? right? And he didn't have that. But you'll agree now that he was hurt. Yeah, but like... Okay, thank you. It, I'm di- it, but, I've been dying but, to hear you but say it, that. But it, but it, don't it, butt it! Cody got hurt. Yeah, I don't but need it, the But butt. it's a manageable injury. Those are... Th- it's like if... I just That's fine. I just need to hear you say Cody got hurt. That's yes, all I need. Sure, he did. Um, okay, so... But like he's fine at the same time. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. He's not as fine as if he wouldn't have gotten hit in the head with a chair. <laughs> uh, which is what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah but like... It's not... Like... There, you know, did 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 uh, did did anybody get hurt in the main event? Janela Mox. Yes. They were all bleeding a bunch for sure. But they're fine, right? No, well, the exact same as the last one, except the chair <laughs> shot was worse. Yeah, they're they're but like you they're take not the, dying. You they're take the, the pins out of them, they're fine. <laughs> okay, so let's <laughs> let's let's talk about it because I've noticed. I think. Hang on, like I gotta a, talk. I gotta talk eventually. But there's like a, a reasonable limit of expectations of ways you can be hurt within a wrestling match and still yes. be fine. Correct. I think this crossed that line. Okay, I don't. So here's here's something that I've noticed true to the person between our Patreon chat, the people I've talked to since, and I think this is really interesting. Everyone who was watching the show live or didn't know about it had a stronger reaction to it than the people who saw the GIF first, without exception. Mm-hmm. The people who said headshot GIF and they were expecting it are like, yeah, it's bad, but we're mostly okay with it. Watching the match, and, and this is my biggest problem with it. I, I want to be 100% clear, and people aren't going to like me for this. I don't have a problem with chair shots. I don't, I don't have a problem with them. I think this was an especially bad one. I think it was a totally, horribly wasted used one on Sean Spears, who no one is talking about now. It didn't build any heat to this feud. He smoked him in the back. Utterly wasted one on a B show. This is my problem with this chair shot. If you need something, Mox Janelle are going for three months, and you need something Spice, two experts doing it, no Mm. problem. These are two guys who don't work hardcore, and it shows as Cody is left there with a chunk of his head missing and bleeding on the mat. Just an utter waste of this spot on a guy who I think has very little upside. I like Ty Dillinger, though. Yeah? Do you yeah. feel a lot of sizzle for that feud right now? I mean... Outside of yourself. Maybe you do. Well, like, I, do you feel he gained anything in this? Yeah, I do. He went from somebody that when he was signed, we all assumed was just going to be the job guy for AEW to someone who I think is going to be an active part of their mid-card. <laughs> to the guy who never gets handed a weapon again. <laughs> but, but like, that... It, to me, the, the fact that he was the guy to do this shows me that the, he's not a job guy in that company. I mean, and, they don't see and, him. And I way. like him as a wrestler, so I like that, like, I agree with their assessment. That makes me happy that he's not sure. going to be a job guy. But, um, you know, to, I think what's good and bad about this is that, yes, it's wasted because it came out of nowhere, but it's also something that, like, this match was nothing without that. Like, we are not talking about... Well, the match but, still was nothing. It was post-match. Yeah, but, like... That whole Cody segment yeah. is nothing without that his I, chair shot. Like he, This is multiple shows in a row now where the most talked about thing has involved Cody Rhodes. Bleeding. 
ultimately yes. One hundred percent yes. Yeah, I mean, even even at uh, All In, he was bleeding. But it wasn't the angle between him and Sean Spears that left people talking. But, it was this horrible headshot. But it's exactly what I was talking about earlier. You need these buzzworthy, talkable, water cooler moments if things are going to rise to the top again. And look, there are a ton of people for whom headshots are a part of the past of wrestling that they do want to see again. There are a ton of people who look at the way rest, uh, uh, wrestling handles head uh, chair shots today where a guy just leans over and lets the guy implode his back in with a chair yeah. that you know that's exactly to them what the two out of three falls thing is to me it takes them out of the reality world of the match where someone is just bending over to take a soft shot across their back but we know what these things cause we know that these lead to concussions it's like to, if they're just willing to do these on b shows all willy-nilly like I'm not kosher with that. Yeah. Like, if they want to do one a year, you won't catch me saying anything. But in a moment like this, this makes me nervous. Like, do we not know what this leads to? I don't think we're going to get this all the time. Or I'm even sure very now often. not. But, I, but, like, you know, I don't have a problem with this. It's the same thing with Dustin bleeding like crazy. If you want to do that as an artistic decision... I'm okay with it, but it can't be something that you lean on all the time. It needs to be a special occasion sort of thing. Sure, and and done correctly by people who know what they're doing, not uh, can you, not not people who just don't obviously do this or know how to do it. Exactly, in which both of them were. But I, that wasn't even my least favorite thing on the show. Well, maybe it was, but another point of uh, the contention between us here is the elite taking on the Lucha Brothers with Laredo Kid, yep. and another one of these. Maybe this is just the Young Bucks slot, the, the co-main event, fun, upbeat tag match with you high know. tempo. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm sure Darby Allen was watching this from backstage being like, why couldn't my phone <laughs> move this fast? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> or, or maybe, why couldn't I have hit him with the chair? We could have added some sizzle and I know how to do it. Exactly. But, but uh, I thought this match was fine and sort of what you expect from these. Um, but there was a spot in this where the, the three of them dressed in Street Fighter's characters, the being Duke Omega Duke. and the, the Young Bucks, Ken Ryu and uh, Akuma, I believe, yeah. uh, they hit a Hadouken spot. I was spot. really confused by their entrance. Yeah. That uh, guy who ran out of the crowd. Was that real? And then the lights went out and it came back and he was dead and Kenny had killed him or something. It, well, that's... Yeah. I Like, I couldn't tell what I was watching yeah. if it was supposed to be happening or not. It, and it I, gave me a bad feeling. <laughs> yeah, that was... They, <laughs> I also was like, oh, is this a like guy running in on the shield situation? Yeah. Or, but, uh, well, what did you think of this match besides the Hadouken spot? It, it was kind of the shot of energy that this yeah. show needed yeah. to get a kick in the arm again and get going again after losing my interest over the course of the previous two matches. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. And but but at the same time, it was very much I've seen this match before on some level. Did Laredo Kid stand out to you at all? Yeah, because I was not familiar with him at all. Yeah, he I, did impress for I sure. Was, and there were some crazy spots in this match. No that, doubt. To be clear, I have not seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like the the this pairing of these guys working together, and especially uh, just the Lucha Brothers working together as a tag team. I've seen a lot of them a over lot. the last year and a half. A lot. And like it's it takes a lot to. Give me a new wrinkle, which is exactly like, look, I'm being fair. I'm applying the same criticism to AEW that I did to Seth Rollins last week. Right. Week yeah, no, that that is. And yeah, I just, I don't know, this this pairing, you're right. It was a shot of energy, but I was also like, I'm ready to not see the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros wrestle each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I think they've got a match coming up in AAA, and then maybe this is finally over. That's, let's let's get to it. Uh, but let's talk about the Hadouken spot as the, the three... 
uh, representatives from AAA I liked it. come in, and uh, Kenny Omega, Nick Jackson, and Matt Jackson, if you don't know what a Hadouken is, they, they put both of their hands forward, sort of making an orb out of it. The three uh, AAA members run into these Hadoukens, a Street Fighter spot. But it, it didn't come out of nowhere, though. It, they were going to do a triple super kick spot. Yeah. Got triple super kicked by the Lucha Bros instead. And then out of that, kind of as the Lucha Bros like went back against the ropes to do a flying move at them, took a Hadouken from the three guys in on the on the catch basically. Yeah. So there was a physicality to it. Yeah. Like I've seen Xavier Woods do a Hadouken in a WWE ring and I yeah. thought it was extremely stupid. Right. Because he just pressed his hands into a guy in the ring corner. I think it was Rusev. Yeah. Like, that, that or gender? sucked. I forgot it was one of those two. One of those two. two. Yeah. But like I did not enjoy that. This at least like the all three luchadors flipped out of it because they were running as they took it. It looked impactful, yep. even if you think it was silly. I, my my chief problem with it is, like, there is a place for spots like this that I'd probably enjoy, and especially, like, them dressing up a street fighter. There's a cool consistency there. Mm-hmm. I just thought within the flow of the match, the finish comes, what, 90 seconds later, two minutes later? Like, I felt like everything was crescendoing to this moment that played to, as comedy to me. Like, and I, I really didn't like that. And... I feel like he's just not maximizing what I like about Kenny Omega. Like, uh, I hope that he isn't doing too much of of this sort of stuff. I I didn't like this spot, but it's more to do with, like, the placement on the card and the placement of that spot within the map. Yeah, you felt like this was, like, the dramatic peak. Yeah. I did get an emotional reaction out of it, though. Okay. Like, to me... People are calling it a comedy spot. I don't see that and laugh. It I it gave me a thrill. Like it active. Mm. It triggered like uh, uh, I don't know if like adrenaline is the right, but like the, it it gave me that thrill feeling. It's not like sure. I'm looking at that spot and being like, ha, 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 can you believe these yeah. jokers? Maybe I shouldn't say comedy. Maybe just not serious yes. is the the okay. way to put it. Because you're right. I wasn't laughing. I was entertained. Se. Yeah. Um, but that's what I got to say about that. But, Jamo, we, we get to go off air with something we do agree on, and yes. I'm thrilled to talk about it. John Moxley, big fucking Mox, took on the bad boy Joey Janela in an unsanctioned match. And what have we said about, like, back during the brand split when they were doing brand-specific pay-per-views, a Raw pay-per-view and a SmackDown pay-per-view once a month, you can have a pay-per-view where the undercard is not that great as long as you have a main event. Yeah, you give the main event some time. And yeah. the main event has time. Uh, uh, this was a half-hour match between these two guys, escalating brutality throughout. To me, it felt like Moxley was getting a do-over on the Brock Asylum match. match. Oh, sure. it's Because there were a lot of like repeat sort of spots with tax and whatnot yep. from his Jericho Asylum match. I had such high expectations for this match, and it utterly delivered. So right there, I, I just got to say that out the gate. But what I liked so much, and I don't know if they planned this or they just ran with it, but in the middle of the match, the story becomes like Moxley refinding himself. Like he gets a you sick fuck chant, mm-hmm. uh, and he goes and oh, over to the ropes, and he feeds to the crowd, I am a sick fuck. And then they, they get into this back and forth of who can take more punishment. They alternate taking a spot. Table, table, tack. Attack. Like who? Who can be? Not. It's not a last man standing match, obviously, but that's what they're trying to get across. Like who is willing to push themselves to damage? 
I thought Joey Janela's facials in this match were were tremendous, like realistic and not played mm. for. He's a guy who can yuck it up a little bit too much sometimes. For sure. I thought he was like, I am in here with a psychopath, and I just loved this match. The one thing that I do find very encouraging about AEW as a company coming out of a show that, like, I think we both largely thought was just average. Yeah. Is that like not only are they going to go balls to the wall and give us this kind of hardcore action that has been largely missing from mainstream wrestling for the better part of the last 15 years yep they are also like they found this pairing of two guys that like did not have to be an explosive feud was main eventing a throwaway show you've called it many times and you're not wrong to call it that but like they they found the exact perfect note mm. that these characters play off yep. of each other yes janella's whole point in the feud being you are the pg family friendly version of me mm-hmm. i am mr hardcore i am mr indie i am everything that you lost while you were quote unquote in jail right. or whatever we want to call it <laughs> in the wwe system like they found the the one note that these two guys, like, if you just strike that chord, will have a fire, intense feud out of. Yep. And if they can find it here, it gives me hope that, like, in a, a bunch of other pairings, as we head towards October and we head towards their television, they can find it in other pairings as well. I also believe that the – and first of all, well said. I agree. They, like, existed in that chord for the whole match, and I thought it was stupendous. And a good answer to, like, everything doesn't need to be work rate. And the – like, I felt like the commentators did a good job of putting that over as yep. the story totally of agree. the feud and the match as well. But <laughs> there was just something in this match that really damn near brought a tear to your boy's eye. Did not! But, boy – my heart grew fond as uh, John Moxley lifts Joey Janela and gives him the old Mox violence into a pile of tacks. A spot I've seen many times, but not for many years, and it was stupendous. I w- but again, and I had this complaint with, I forget what move they forgot at Double or Nothing, but there was another big one where they didn't know, and it's like, Guys, call the Mox violence. That was it. And they're like, a great throw by Moxley. Oh, it was Din's fire. They Din's did, fire, right. Din's fire. I was like, guys, that's the Mox violence. That's it. Yeah. I've been waiting for it. And they go, hey, Excalibur what? should know these things. I'm yeah. kind of surprised, honestly. Again, nitpicky, but it did stand out to me. It's like, that's the return of a, a big finish. So Yeah, that is disappointing for sure, but like... On the whole, I thought commentary was much improved here over Double or Nothing. Yeah, what was the other guy's name? Golden Boy, whoever he replaced. Uh, uh, Alex Marvez. Yeah, maybe. And I didn't like Marvez at Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like JR and Excalibur. I think they work well together. I think this is a good team. I think maybe I just don't have the best ear for commentary, maybe. Well, like, it doesn't stand out to me one way or the like other. Brendan Batchelor is the play-by-play voice of the uh, yeah, what Vancouver he Canucks. Say? He, I don't know that he's seen this show yet. Okay. But I'd after Double or Nothing, thoughts. he thought Excalibur was trash. And... Mike and I were watching uh, this show together, and we're like, yeah, Broda doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, he's no, crazy. I trust Broda. <laughs> That's I want to hear his thoughts on commentary. <laughs> Jamo, we touched on three different companies on today's yeah, episode. No, should we give the uh, Fighter Fest a, a grade, oh, a letter grade right. here yeah. at the end of the day? Kind of tricky, because you don't yeah. want to grade it on, like, because they're still figuring things out. So I don't want to be, like... And I wasn't bored by any point, and the main event delivered in such a way. And it was a three-hour pay-per-view. There is something to be said about that. Yeah. God, this is a tricky one, man. Because I thought the undercard was very good. C-plus doesn't feel fair. I liked it more than C-plus. Yeah, but B-minus feels too positive, too. Yeah. I, I'm, like, right on that That's line, r- too. I'm, I'm going to do it, J-Mo. I'm going to say C-plus for... F- no, B-minus, B-minus. The main event was, was really good. Yes, and I think a main event that gives half an hour to that yeah. sort of thing... 
yes, I will say B minus as well. But I will say this also was the show that it's like, okay, maybe this company is not the savior of pro wrestling. <laughs> sure, maybe yeah. they're just another wrestling company. But but can their big shows stand with the takeovers, with the Wrestle Kingdoms, with the Dominions? That's the real question to me. I, my big thing coming out of this is maybe they are better off doing the NXT schedule of a pay per view every five. I like think they six, are five or six times a year. I think they are. But it, we we really we're sort of talking blind here until we see the TV schedule and how everything fits it's into true. that. It's true. It's true. Jmo, before we send everyone home for the week, I just want to say if you like hearing our voices, please feel free to go over and support us over there on Patreon.com slash Top Marks for throwing only $5 in the hat. You get your entire collection of our back catalog, reviewing uh, old pay-per-views, watching Tournament of Death, all this fun stuff. But more importantly, you get to jump into the Top Marks Patreon group chat, which that is, it's the reason for the season. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You get into the Top Marks Wrestling Pick'ems League, which is heating up as we approach Extreme <laughs> Jewels. Look, look, we all agree that WWE has been better. But Top Marks Wrestling doesn't need to improve. It's already the best company in the world. Some are saying it's peaking. There are people saying that Scoots Brodo versus the kid Josh C is, uh, you know, a true, true all-timer feud. Lots going on. I mean, on. I will say Josh Custodio's promos. <laughs> the man is flexing all kinds of creative muscles that you've never seen from him before, Just folks. you wait. Just it's, you wait till the day in, before. It is truly incredible. I got something special for the Saturday before Extreme Jewels. All right. Well, I, $5 gets you in on all that. You also get to talk to us and hear our takes on everything as it happens. It's a live chat day after day. What if they don't want to pay though, Jamie? Can they support the 24 seven? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like equivalent. You yeah, know, you get you get access to our brains no matter what, our no, brain whenever genii. you want. Um, if people can support us by heading on over to uh, the Apple Podcast Store. Oh yeah, not the iTunes Store anymore. I, uh, Apple Podcast, rate and review the program. Throw us a five star review, uh, or just tell people that you like the show and that they might like it too. Because I feel like that is how we've gotten our boost lately is yeah. people who like wrestling, who listen to our show, tell their listening, their, their wrestling liking right. friends yep. that our show is the best wrestling show. Well, we started with an audience of 100 and by th we've gotten to 30,000 just by word of mouth. And <laughs> we, that's well, we, we started with about 100 and we're, we're at 33 right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, but the, the, the 30 really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so. we've, we're, we just keep weeding out the bad ones week after week. <laughs> and until next week. Pepperoni sticks! Say yeah! You saw Spider-Man last I night, I did right? see Spider-Man. No spoilers, but give me a rough idea of where I should if, be excited. If you was. liked Homecoming, you will like Far From Home. Okay, it's that's the same sort of vibe. Uh, it's very much a more like uh, crowd-pleasing and accessible okay. movie to uh, the general audiences than something like the End last two Avengers or, yeah. movies have been. It's very light. It's very funny. Uh, I, I love Mysterio. That's all I need to hear. I almost don't want you to say anything else. As long as Mysterio has done justice, I'm in. The mid-credits scene is the best post-credits in the history of the MCU. Wow. Anyways, let's go see Stuber. Big Dave. Goodbye. <laughs> Titus Worldwide!